2 Kings chapter 6. You say, Pastor, I thought we were going through the Beatitudes. We are. And until about 2 a.m. Saturday morning, that's what we were going to preach. Then the Holy Spirit of God uh, really drew my heart to this story. And I believe it would be what God would have for all of us here today. 2 Kings chapter 6. I'll be honest, I've read this story before. I've skimmed over it quickly. And in my Bible reading plan, once again, read it, skimmed over it quickly. And then very quickly, God drew my heart back to one of the verses in this story. And there's some powerful, powerful truth here. And it's a good reminder for the church today. That is my heart, is to remind the church, to stir the church, that God would stir each individual heart. Uh, this message is corporate, but this message is also individual for every man, every woman, and every teenager under the sound of my voice. If you're watching online today and you are a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, this message is also for you. It's corporate, but it's also individual. Second Kings 6, the first verse. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. That means it's too small. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thee thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And Elisha answered and said, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And he cried, and he said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place and he cut down a stick and cast it thither and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, take it up to thee. And he put his hand and took it. He put out his hand and he took it. Heavenly Father, for just a few minutes, Lord, I pray that Father, you would use your word, the preaching of your word, God, to penetrate hearts and minds. And God, we are reminded today that our hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. And Father, that you have brought forth a beautiful bride, the church, the living church of Jesus Christ. And Father, today I pray that that bride, that church, God, that our people, your people, Lord, that our hearts would be challenged, that we would be stirred. And Father, that our eyes would be ever fixed on the cross of Jesus, and that, Father, in our periphery, we keep an eye on the eastern sky, for at any moment, the Son of God could return for the bride. Father, I pray in these last days, in these final hours, in the uh, ending chapters of time and history, Father, that your church would live up, God, to its name, that your church would be who you want it to be, and that, Father, when you do come back, that the remnant, that the church would be pleasing to your sight. It's in Jesus' name we ask all of these things. Amen. 
and amen. We dive into a story in 2 Kings 6. It's a construction project of sorts. Uh, This is taking place in a very turbulent time in the history of Israel. And there's a young group of men, uh, the sons of the prophets as they are called. These are men that are studying under the prophet Elisha. These men are living together, they're studying together, they're eating together, they are doing life together. And now they have so grown that the place that they are studying, the seminary where they are learning and following the teachings of Elisha, God's man, the place where they are living is no longer suitable. And they said it's too straight, it's too narrow, it's too small. They go to Elisha and they say, man of God, we want to build a place that is larger. We want a a better space, a larger space. And Elisha obliges them and says, okay, we can do that. They ask Elisha to come with them to the river to cut down wood. And Elisha is pouring into the lives of these young men. He is giving them what they need, their sustenance spiritually. He's teaching them and they're praying together. They're living out according to God's will. And this is actually a wonderful thing that this seminary, this group of uh, sons of the prophets, that it's grown to a place where they need a new building. If you keep in mind the history of Israel and King Ahab and Jezebel and all that had happened even with Elijah, this is a wonderful thing that this expansion project is happening. It's a wonderful thing that there are more men wanting to come to learn and to uh, be a student under this man of God. And let me say this, uh, be sure that as long as God is calling men to preach the gospel, that country, that nation, our world has hope. As long as there are people preaching, as long as men are preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that nation, that world has hope. Hope And so thank God this expansion is happening. And the gospel being preached even today in 2022 is our hope as it was just sung. It is the hope of our hearts. It's the hope of our future. And it's the security of our salvation, the person of Jesus Christ. And today, if we evaluate where we are, I don't want to spend too much time highlighting what it is our culture has become. I don't want to give you another report. You know where we are. You know what the culture is. Unless you've been in a log cabin out in the woods for the last three years and you're just now coming back to get some uh, supplies at Sam's, you've come back, number one, to a very different world, a very surprising world. But I don't have to explain to you the condition of our culture the condition of our nation, and I submit to you even the condition of the church. We're in a very, very different time as a people. And as I said in my prayer, I believe with all of my heart that even if we were to have 100 or 200 or 500 years left, that we are living in the last days. And personally, I believe with all my heart that before this message is over, that Jesus Christ could come back for his bride. Church, if there's ever a place where you should say, praise God, thank the Lord, it's the fact that Jesus is coming again. We live in hope because of the person of Jesus Christ. We live in hope because of our hope of heaven, the the truth, the fact that this is not it. And as long as men are preaching that, and as long as it is being 
taught there is hope. But we are living in what I believe with all of my heart of the last days. You are watching so much of culture, so much of life change right before our very eyes. And as we live in these last days, my challenge to you, church, is that Jesus, listen to this, think of this, God in his providence, God in his sovereignty knew what this generation would be. He saw way before you were even born what the condition of this world would be in 2022. And in his sovereignty and in his perfect will, he chose for you to be alive in 2022 representing the church, the bride of Jesus. That's a tall order. That is a a humbling thing that God would entrust to us to be that representative in these last days. So much of the last days are prophesied and talked about in the Old Testament. One that I think is uh, relevant to where we're living is Daniel 12, verse 4. It says this, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Now here you go. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. We are living in an age, in a time of more information than ever before. There is more enlightenment, not just scripturally speaking, not just the study of God's word. I'm talking about science, medicine, mathematics, advanced studies. You are living in the age of greatest information. Last night sitting at my desk, I Googled the word photosynthesis. And in 0.58 seconds, I got 1,260,000,000 results on that one word. If my poppy would have had Google and known how to use it, he would have drove himself mad wanting to know more about the universe that God created. But instead of us taking all this technology and all this information, and instead of us uh, really being able to stand back in all of the universe that God has created, we've gone 100 miles an hour in the other direction, and we're stepping away from morality. We're stepping away from God. We're stepping away from what it means to be the church. And even though we have all the knowledge and all the technology and all the access, we're not living up to the qualification of what the church should be. Instead of it being a blessing and a tool, we're allowing it to rob us of our power. We're allowing it to rob us of our burden. We're allowing it to rob us of our tears. We're allowing it to rob us of faithfulness to God's house. And I'm afraid we're in a place where today all of us, every man, every woman, every boy and every girl needs to evaluate a few things about our lives Instead of advancement, we've imploded with immorality, with sin, and we've denied the power of God. Why is depression at an all-time high? Why is anxiety at an all-time high? Why are people taking their lives in a younger age bracket than ever before? Because they are exposed to information and technology that the human mind that young of age has no business having access to. And most adults have no business with that much unguarded access to that much content. That is the world we're living in. Uh, the Bible told us these days would come. 
It's very clear, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lover of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and leave captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So much information, so much access, yet denying the truth. One plus one equals two because God made it. One plus one equals two. H2O are the elements that make up water because God in his divine wisdom decided that H2O would make water. You cannot have truth without God. And a culture that hates truth at the core hates God. That's why you cannot speak the truth anymore without offending the world and them telling you that you've offended them. That's not the problem. The problem is men's hearts are failing them for fear and men's heart at the core are desperately wicked and deceitful above all and men's hearts hate the truth. That's what we're living in. These are the last days. You say, well, your poppy preached that. Ladies and gentlemen, put into context the amount of time that has passed since Jesus Christ left this earth. Take into fact that Israel this day is alive and well as a nation. They have a Knesset. They have a president. They have a prime minister. They have a military. They have money. They have a GDP that matches almost anything in growth in the entire world. So much has changed and we are in the last days. These are the final hours of earth's existence as you know it. And I'm afraid that we are going to be the generation to drop the ball, to be the generation to let the fire go out if the church does not stop being distracted by the things of this world, the things that this world has as a snare prepared for your family and be the church that it's supposed to be. This is not the time for the church to quit. This is not the time for the church to give up. This is not the time for godly parents to stop leading their home in faith and in wisdom, heeding to the word of God. If this is the word of God and we believe it to be every word true, which I do this morning, believe that this is the inerrant, infallible, holy, inspired word of God, that there is no error in this book. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. If we believe that this book is real, is holy, is infallible, and we believe the teachings of Jesus Christ, then we must go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and realize what it is that Jesus said. 
He looks at his disciples. They're at the one of the most wicked places in all of the earth. They're at the temple of Pan, north of Galilee. All of this sacrifice has happened. Children have been murdered on this property. And Jesus takes his men to the gates of the most evil, wicked place in all of the world. And this is what he says to his disciples. He says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If we believe that, then from the time Jesus said that until the time he comes back, there must be on this earth a real church of Jesus Christ that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. If we believe the words of our Lord and Savior, then somewhere today alive on this earth is the real church of Jesus Christ. Honey, I want to be a part of the real church of Jesus Christ. The real church has authority. The real church has power. The real church doesn't operate in fear. The real church holds true to the word of God. The real church isn't afraid of what the world says. The real church isn't afraid of being canceled. The real church is the church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. That's the church I want to belong to. The church of Jesus Christ. The real church. We go back to this story of these men who want to please the Lord. Who want to study under this godly, godly man. Elisha. They go to bring down the wood to expand their seminary and their living quarters. And then this axe head comes off and falls into the water. You say, Pastor, what does that axe head have to do with me? The axe head, ladies and gentlemen, represents the power of God in your life as a believer. And I'm afraid that today, as we assess not just our own lives, but the condition of the church nationwide, that there are a group of people who are like Sadducees swinging an axe with no head. Sadducees swinging an axe that has no head. The axe head represents the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit manifested in his faithful people, people who carry a prayer life People who carry a burden, people who read God's word and ingest it daily to be able to withstand the evil and the darkness, the wickedness of this day. And this is something that we must have, ladies and gentlemen. Trinity Baptist Church, listen to me clearly. We do not need more programs. We do not need more money. We don't need better staffing. We don't need better facilities. We can have all of that. But if we do not have the power of God working in our lives individually, corporately, and with what stands behind this desk, then we're sunk. God's people need the power of God manifested in their lives as faithful people. 
People who are not afraid to draw the line between what the world is and what the church should be. I don't want the church to look anything like what the world does. I want God to send heaven down and I want the world to stay out so that the world's attracted to the fire that's burning here and that he draws men near and that they're saved by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. But that cannot happen if people do not have the power of God in their own lives. And what we've developed is a generation of Sadducees that are swinging an axe with no head. The real church of Jesus Christ must depend on the supernatural power of God in our lives. You say, Pastor, that word supernatural makes me nervous. There are movements within our country, there are movements in the world that have robbed the Baptist of that word. Everything that happens in our lives, everything that happens with our walk of faith with God, honey, it's supernatural. You can't do it in yourself. You can't teach it to yourself. You can't read about it enough to understand it. It is a supernatural working of God the moment you got saved and it is a supernatural working of God for you to walk the walk of faith. We desperately need supernatural. I'm not talking about wildfire. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues and Pentecostalism. I'm talking about speaking in English, the word of God, living up to the word of God and being the church that Jesus requires us to be. But I'm afraid there are some people here today or watching online or watching later in the archives and you are an axe with no head. An axe with no head. And we can be busy doing God's work, living life. But unless we have God's power in our own lives, then we'll be doing it in our own power. Go back to this story with me and notice this in verse number five. You gotta remember what he's doing. There are a few things I wanna give you from this story. He wants to expand the seminary. He wants God's man to have a better place to live. He's busy doing the work of God. Number one, he lost his cutting edge doing the Lord's work. He lost his cutting edge, the head from his axe, doing the Lord's work. And sometimes the greatest disappointments, the greatest frustrations, the place where you can lose your edge with God is working, laboring around God's house with God's people. There are times that you can become dull, losing your edge with God, working for God, loving God, serving God, being faithful to God's house. We all live in imperfect bodies. We all live in an imperfect world. If you find a perfect church and you join it, then no longer is that church perfect. There are no perfect churches. There are no perfect pastors. There are no perfect people. And if you all belong to a New Testament Bible-believing church that has people in it, then it's a good chance that at some point in time, your feelings are gonna get hurt. Why? Because it involves imperfect people. 
But if you're not careful, your feelings and your emotions will somehow become more important than you actually having an ax head on your shaft. It'll become an excuse not to even worry yourself with the burden of carrying the ax head. I don't want to have to carry a burden. I don't want to have to pray. I'll just tithe. I'll do my thing. I'll be on the shadows. I'll be on the fringe. I won't join a Bible study. I'll just kind of show up and do my thing. And I'll reap the benefit of the pulpit and the benefit of the ministries. But I'm going to keep my distance because I've been hurt before doing work on God's house. Doing work for the Lord. But ladies and gentlemen, in the day in which we are living, in the time in which we are living, with the pending coming of Christ again, with the deterioration of the culture, it's high time that Christians take responsibility and radical ownership for our own emotions, our own feelings, and our own responses. There's too much at stake for it to be about how I feel. There's too much at stake to make it about how comfortable I am. But if you're not careful, you'll lose your edge. You'll become blunted doing what you feel is right for the cause of God, for the cause of Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time. We're at that intersection. We're at that place. And generation after generation, you can go back to places in time where men and women had to have these conversations within the church. But we're at the intersection where no longer can Christians in 2022 be comfortable wearing flip-flops with little roses on them. We've got to take our flip-flops off, take them to the backyard, put them in the burn barrel, go back to your daddy's closet, find his ugliest, dirtiest, heaviest work boots that look like they're ready for war and battle. Put your feet in them, strap them down to your feet as hard as you possibly can and hold on. Because if you're going to live in this world and if you're going to live for Jesus, in 2022 and 2023 and 2030, then you're going to be in a war. There can be nothing that happens in your life by happenstance. We've got to do it with purpose and intentionality. But number one, he lost his cutting edge doing the Lord's work. Number two, to recover his lost axe head, he had to admit that he had lost it in the first place. He had to admit that it was gone. He had to admit that something felt different on the end of the shaft and that no longer were his efforts doing the same thing that they were before. The axe head was gone and he had to admit that he had lost it. And Trinity in all love and in all truth, there are some of you here today and you're sitting in blue chairs or you're watching online and everything appears okay. You've got on your Sunday best. You've got a smile on your face. You're faithful to the best of your ability. But if you had to be honest, the moment you leave this campus, you're a completely different person. You have no edge. You won't pray you won't carry a burden. You won't weep over lost people. It's difficult now for you to even weep over your lost family. And you have no edge. 
You can look okay. You can act okay. You can convince and persuade all of the people around you that you're okay. But at the end of the day, nothing is right between you and God. And if anything is going to change, if you're going to really make it, if this is more than a social exercise and you're going to be the church of Jesus Christ alive and well and doing what it's supposed to do in 2022, then there are some people in this congregation that I love with all of my heart, but you're going to have to say today, I've lost my ax head. It's missing. No longer are you going to be able to conduct yourself in a way in which you do not have a head on your axe. If you continue to live without the edge, without the power of God in your life, I'm afraid of what's coming for you. Listen to me. This isn't popular, but I'm afraid of what's coming for you. If you choose not to pray, if you choose not to read your Bible and consume scripture, I'm afraid of what's going to happen to the condition of your heart and to your life. The church is called to be sharp, to be a blunt instrument of God's power manifested in our lives, to be clean and holy people with an edge. People that are spiritually capable to stay in the fight until he comes. Living a life with Jesus is not a day at the beach. Paul said we suffer with Jesus. We're at war. But nothing is going to change in your life until you admit you've lost your axe head. You operate your life with no edge, with God, no power, no burden the word of God has no place in your home. And then you wonder why your family is falling apart. You wonder why your teenagers having to be counseled. You wonder why there's no tears, no burden in your home. Because you've lost your axe head. And if you're going to change, you're going to have to admit it today to yourself and to God. And some of you here today, already your heart is hardening. And pride's welling up in your heart. You're coming up with every excuse to discount the message of the messenger. You're already finding fault. You're already looking for a way out. Ladies and gentlemen, that's nothing more than pride. And it does not change the condition of your heart. In love, I, I'm afraid of what it could be for some people if they don't admit today that they've lost their edge with God. You say you're challenging my salvation? No, this has nothing to do with your salvation. You won't have an axe head if you are not saved and sanctified on your way to heaven. We're talking about people who have been saved but who have a responsibility to live clean and holy before God. To be the salt and the light that Jesus demanded that we be and to be the love that the world could see. In the Civil War, the North and the South both had a policy. The sentries that stood guard, if they were caught asleep, if they were caught away from their post, the next morning they were executed for dropping the ball. They were put to death for putting the entire camp at risk. In Trinity today, if this represents who you are, 
an axe with no head. And you're a member of this New Testament local church. And you're a mama and you're a daddy. You're a friend, a Sunday school teacher, a member of the choir. And you're conducting your life with no power, no prayer, no word of God hidden deep in the recesses of your heart. Then you're putting the whole camp at risk. And you're standing guard with no axe head. All this is now is you, your power, your capability. And you can take this axe and you can do all that you want to do. You can look busy with it. You can do all kinds of motions with it. You can beat that tree to death. But it won't come down. There's no axe head. There's no power. There's no cutting ability. It's just a stick with no power. We've allowed COVID the excuse of our generation to rob us of our axe head. You say, that's too harsh. People have died. Yes, they have. It's pitiful. It breaks my heart. It's the condition of this fallen, broken world. But it does not change who the church is. The people that we've had to say temporarily goodbye to because of COVID in this very congregation, some of those men would tell you exactly what I'm saying today. You better keep your act sharp. Heaven's real. Jesus is at home waiting. We have the opportunity to be the church that makes Jesus proud. Number three, he knew that the axe head was borrowed. Look what he says. Verse number five, he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. That axe head that that young man was using was a borrowed axe head. Iron was so precious. Iron was so expensive. Iron was not easy to find in those days. It was a precious thing and it was borrowed. As soon as he knew the axe head was gone, he cried out, it's borrowed. It wasn't mine in the first place. That's exactly the condition of Christians as it pertains to the power of God working in your life. It does not belong to you in the first place. There's nothing you can do in your life to replace the power of God. You can be the most intellectual person on earth. Study every book, read every biography, know the encyclopedia forward and backwards, but intellectualism cannot replace the power of God. It never will. Legalism, your rule book, cannot replace the power of God working in somebody's life. Ritualism cannot replace the power of God. Religion, lighting a candle, cannot replace the power of God in the life of the believer. What you need, ladies and gentlemen, is the power of God. A real axe with a real head. This is a tool that has ability. It gets results when this hits the tree, it does something to the tree. When it's used properly, it is one of the most dangerous weapons. This particular broad axe belonged to my great, great granddaddy who was born in 1891. He used it to fell trees, to strip bark. He used it to build his home. It worked 
for him. 1919, his son was born. His name was Ralph Sexton. It was gifted to him. He worked with it. He labored with it. His hands have touched this shaft and the head has cut many a tree. Then his son was born in 1947. And guess what? The ax never changed. It was still sharp, blunt, powerful, heavy with a strong wooden ax. It never, ever, ever changed. And he was able to use it in its full power and capacity because it was what he needed. My daddy was born in 1961. His generation, guess what they needed? Things that worked. He needed something real. Not a show. Not religion. Not a cute catchphrase. But something that could withstand the evil and the darkness of the day. Something that could go to work a real tool. I was born in 1990. And I'm going to tell you something. The same power of God that got my great, great granddaddy to where he was. And my granddaddy and my great granddaddy and my daddy. Is the same power of God that will see us through in 2022. God has not changed who he is. God has not changed his attributes. He's still God in charge in all power. He's still capable and he is still able. Where's your ax head this morning? Have you lost it? When was the last time you took just a minute out of your day and you asked God to touch this church? You asked him to touch the preacher standing behind the pulpit. You asked him to save the children that go to church here. You asked him to save lost people that they could come in and hear the good news of the gospel message of Jesus Christ that whosoever will may come. When was the last time? What's the condition of your acts this morning? Number three, he knew it was borrowed. Let me speak to this for a moment about the power of God. There is a concerted effort even within the so-called church amongst some of the intellectual brethren who desire to think or explain or teach away the power of God. Men who are giving up their birthright for a bowl of porridge that denies the power. Men who say, I'd rather be comfortable and carry the burden. Moms and dads who are so infatuated with the things of this world that they cannot be borrowed to stand at the door of their own homes where their own babies live and put the ax in their hand. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that the same spirit of Sadduceeism that was alive in the day of Jesus, that denied the resurrection, that denied the angels, that denied the working of the Holy Spirit of God, that same spirit is alive here today on this earth. People that deny the power of God and will tell you and sell you the greatest lie of all time that you don't need it. If this church is going to survive this year, it'll be because of the power of God. If your home's gonna make it another year, it'll be because someone went and got a hold of God and stood in the gap. Number four, he knew to find it, 
He had to go back to the place he lost it. You see, some of you are here today and this is your ax, but you know exactly where you lost it. You know exactly where it was. You lost your ax head when you stopped praying. You lost your ax head when you allow sin to creep back into your life. You lost your ax head when God told you to do something and you didn't do it. And you and your rebellion and your pride, you broke fellowship and you've lost your ax head. It's high time that God's people say, God, I'm hungry. I'm desperate for something that's real. I need my ax head back. I don't want to just check a box. I don't want to just fill a seat. I want to be who Jesus can trust. I want to have a broad ax head of power. I want to carry a burden for lost people. I want to be so in love with Jesus that I can't help but tell the world about him. But the truth is, some of you know exactly where you lost it. And you're going to have to do like that young man did. He went and got the man of God, which represents God in this story. And he told him, I've lost the ax head. And notice that the manifested power of God through Elisha, through a miracle, he throws a stick into the water. The iron swims and reattaches itself. That's the power of God manifested through a miracle in this Old Testament prophet. And that's exactly what you need today. You need not to tell your husband, not to tell your wife, not to tell your Sunday school teacher. You need to go tell God where you lost it and let him reattach your head. He'll give you that burden back. He'll give you your tears back. He'll give you everything you need back, but you got to tell him. He'll reattach your head this morning. Number five, probably my favorite part. Once he had the ax head back on the handle, the work continued. There was work to be done. Just because he had lost it temporarily didn't mean that he could give up. That building still had to be built. That seminary still had to be expanded. Somebody was going to have to do the work. And Trinity, I'm telling you here today, there's a lot of work to be done for the cause of Christ. And we need some men and we need some women who will be faithful to pick up their axe and be faithful until Jesus calls us home. The work continues. There's a lot of people that need hope. There's a lot of lost people right here in West Asheville that need to hear the good news of Jesus saves. But we've got to have some men and women that are committed, that are sold out. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You want peace in your home? Get you an ax. You want hope in your life? Get you an ax. You want to be able to lay your head on the pillow at night and know that God's in control? Get you an ax. He'll bring you the hope and the stability, the peace in your home to the power of the Holy Ghost. Church, we're going to be held accountable. You may not like what's being preached. You may find some sort of theological mishap in the text. God bless you. Keep looking. But the point is you're going to be held accountable. All of us are going to give an account for what we did with Jesus. And you can continue to ride this halfway in, halfway out, faithful when it's convenient to you, Christianity. Or you can get you a broad axe and join forces and let's fight the devil until God takes us home. So moms and dads that say, you know what? That junk doesn't belong in my house no more. Where's my axe? 
Some moms and dads that'll go check their teenager's phone and say, that music is junk. Get my ax, I'm going cutting. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about the soul of your babies. I'm talking about a church with power and ability, but somebody's gonna have to pay the price and carry the heavy, heavy ax. Who are we? We're the church of Jesus Christ. The real church. But we gotta have a big, broad head on our axe. Sold out to be who God expects us to be. Stand all over the building. You say, Pastor, how do I know if I've lost my edge? My first question to you is what do you love? What consumes your time the most? What is your priority in life? Parents, my challenge to you is what are you making the priority in your children's lives? What's the condition of your axe head? I was listening to a sports commentator this week. He talked about a quarterback that's getting ready to retire. Plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Keith, they said that Ben Roethlisberger, when he came out of college, was the perfect athlete. He had the perfect height, the perfect weight, and he had a cannon of an arm. Joins the Pittsburgh Steelers, a great heritage, a great legacy of that group. They draft number one wide receivers, number one running backs. He has a Hall of Fame level offensive line. This guy had everything he needed to win five, maybe six Super Bowls. He got a couple. The commentator said something that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. He said, there'll never be anybody that goes into the Hall of Fame that they'll be able to say that he left so much out on the field. All of that potential got left on the field. And church, I do not ever want that to be me, nor do I want it to be of this church. I don't want to leave anything on the field. I want to give it my all till Jesus comes. But ladies and gentlemen, one man can't do it. Two men can't do it. It's going to be all of us together saying, God, I'll be faithful for as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll carry your burden. I'll read my Bible. I'll pray for my church. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around, no one moving unless you're coming to the altar to pray. But is there anyone here today say, Pastor, I've lost my ax head. It's missing. My tears have dried up. I carry no burden. I can't pray no more. I can't sing the hymns of Zion anymore. I've lost my ax head. I have no cutting edge with God. I want to get it back today. Was there anybody here, man enough or woman enough to raise your hand and just say, Pastor, I want my ax head back. Hands all over the building. Here's what I want you to do. If you raised your hand, I want you to follow what these others have done. I just want you to come pray. Follow your hand right out. Don't stay there. Don't, don't just stay. Let's change today. Let's ask God to do something in our lives. You're going to have to do like that young man did to Elisha and say, God, I need it back. God, give it to me. And he will. He's faithful. God's never changed. He's still the same God. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm right with the Lord. My prayer life, my burden, being faithful to God best I know how.
but the weight of that ax is becoming a wearisome burden. I'm tired, I'm weary. Maybe you're up in age. You say, I need God to sustain me, to give me strength so I can make it home carrying the ax he put in my hand. Is there anybody here, you're tired and you're weary. You need God to give you strength. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, hands all over. Would you do the same thing? Just follow your hand right out, come pray. Come ask God to give you the strength that you need to withstand this evil and dark day. Daddies, who's watching over your home? Who's got the ax in their hand? Mamas, who is praying for your babies? I hope it's you. Miss Amber's gonna sing. We're gonna enter into a season of prayer. Just ask God to search our hearts. This is individual between each person that's here. You allow the Holy Spirit of God to search your heart today. Heavenly Father, to the best of our ability, Lord, we've tried to preach what you put on our hearts. God, your word is so true, so powerful. It stirs in so many different ways and directions. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you'd give Trinity back its edge. God, that we would be the people, God, that live up to the order. God, that we'd be people full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. God, that so hold near and dear to the word of God. Lord, I pray for the future of this church. God, for the future of our families. Lord, that you would protect us, that you would keep us. God, I pray over the marriages of our church. God, that not one single family would have to experience divorce out of our family. God, that not one teenager have to taste the bitter cup of disappointment. God, that not one child would be challenged to a point of disbelief. But Father, you would raise strong men and women, strong teenagers and strong children. God, who have hearts that are fixed to the anchor of Jesus. People who know the word. People who endure the suffering. And people who have the hope of eternal life, the surety of heaven to come. Father, the people that live in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we ask you to take it, to seal it, God, and to prepare us for our future. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done here today. God, for the liberty to preach for the response of so many hearts. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. It's in Jesus' name that Trinity Baptist Church says, amen and amen. Thank you all for being with us this morning. E-Church, you are a special group, and we just want to, uh, I personally want to thank you for uh, joining us this morning. What a powerful, powerful message from Pastor Winston. Is your axe sharp? Do you even know where the axe head is? You know, we, I think we've all spent time chopping that tree with just the axe handle, and it, is, uh, it ends up hurting. But if you've got a good sharp axe, like, like he was preaching this morning, boy, you can do what God would have you to do. I encourage you to call somebody, have them come back, and you watch this together again, and that will encourage somebody. Thank you for being with us. Be with us tonight at 5 o'clock. We really appreciate you. We'll see you then. God bless.